0: Welcome everyone to our Sunday night edition of BAMS Radio as we're going to take a look back at the 62-7 to 7 mauling of the Alabama Crimson Tide put on the Ole Miss Rebels in Oxford, Mississippi last night. I'm your host, Judy Armand, with co-host Thomas Watts, also our wizard behind the curtain and producer, and our third amigo is with us as always, William Redfish Barger. From 1989 to 93, a big m- a member of the Crimson Tide, a 1992 national champion, and it was quite a performance last night, guys. Uh, William, bringing you into the conversation, uh, much, I, it reminded me a little bit of the 2011 game in the swamp, where uh, we saw uh, the Florida Gators, you know, uh, punch Alabama in the mouth. They hit a deep ball on Drake Kirkpatrick to go up seven to nothing, and then summarily got bludgeoned. Uh, by Trent Richardson and A.J. McCarron the rest of that football game. This was probably even worse, as I've now nicknamed him the surgeon, Tua Tungavailoa and Alabama's offense systematically took apart, uh, you know, an Ole Miss defense that we knew was not very good. And then Alabama's defense I thought was the real story of the game, though. I really liked the way they responded, uh, shutting them out from that point forward. Because I think we all know this Ole Miss offense is very potent and I thought overall it was a, a great team win for Alabama, and they really played well in all three phases, William.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And, uh, you, you know, it's it's a, a, a fun, fun team to keep up with and follow. Um, you know, you, you go back to the summer, you know, when all the experts, you know, were you know, saying that Alabama's secondary was going to be a liability. You know, people were questioning the hire of Mike Loxley as the offensive coordinator. You know, with, with the – they everybody expected the defense to take a step backwards because of all the, the departures to the NFL and, you know, the fact that Tosh Lapoy had never been a defensive coordinator before. And, uh, you know, I think at least through three games. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, you got to tip your hat to uh, Nick Saban and Bill Battle for, uh, you know, in my opinion, the way they scheduled um, mm-hmm. the, the lead-up for all these games, you know, the – you know, the, the opener with Louisville and, and the second game with Arkansas State were certainly good warm-ups for, you know, facing, um, you know, the old Miss. And I think really probably the only two, two positives you can say about Old Miss's program right now is their quarterback and that group of wide receivers. Um, but, you know, it, it's uh, like we were talking about off the air. You know, the, the, that secondary is not going to face a better group of wide receivers um, except in practice every day. Um, for the rest of the season and probably even into the playoffs. Um, you know, all those guys are big, tall, you know, long guys that can make plays. And, uh, you know, I thought they did a great job. I thought the coaching staff had a great plan. Um, you know, you're starting to see some, um, some, some really interesting things, I think, both from the coaching staff and the players, you know, on offense. Um, you know, Mike Loxley has really got me intrigued. You know, with the amount of, of, 12 personnel that he's utilizing, which is a two tight end set. And, you know, in the past, when you saw Alabama in a two tight end set, you could pretty much call the play from, you know, either the stands or watching it on TV. It was going to be a power running play. Well, he's, he's utilizing 12 personnel and starting to really do some damage through the air. I and mean, we've talked about this guy for 18 months now. And, uh, you know, it's obvious that Irv Smith, is uh, starting to have his breakout performance, and uh, he, you know it's hard to say that this is a breakout performance because I think he's, you know, done it in spurts when he's been healthy and his body's allowed him to for the last two years. But man, Josh Jacobs is turning into a huge weapon, uh, both as a running back and as a receiver out of the backfield for Mike Loxley in this 2018 offense. Um, you know, but I, I was just blown away by the performance last night, like you said, Drew, especially the way the defense responded after, the, you know, the touchdown, on the first play of the game. Um, you know, Quentin Williams, who would have thought a month ago that he'd be the best or the most productive, I should say, um, defensive lineman so far. You know, you saw Christian Williams uh, come out of his shell last night and make an impact. Uh, so it's just... There's so many superlatives you can talk about every different position group and how they've gotten better since the Louisville game.
0: Well, and uh, I, uh, another thing that can't be uh, understated is Josh Jacobs with uh, nearly taking another kickoff return to the house, William. And I thought the first kickoff return of the game after Ole Miss's touchdown, he broke about five tackles to get out near the thirty. He's become a, a true weapon in special teams too that people have to you know account for.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably his, his, you know, his best attribute. I don't know what his true, you know, 40 time is. I know this. I don't ever see anybody walking down, but man, that guy is just, you know, he runs with power. He's got that, you know, kind of Mark Ingram, right, uh, short, squatty build, you know, runs with power. He runs people over all the time, especially when he gets ahead of steam built up as a receiver out of the backfield. Um, you know, I think from looking at the stat line, um, I think there was, Six or seven guys, including Jalen Hurts, that rushed for you know double digits last night.
0: Mm-hmm. Go down and start
1: looking at the pass receptions for the receivers. Um, you know it was off the charts. You know the best news is, is Alabama came out of that game with no significant injuries. Um, and you know the the competition this coming week is going to be a little bit of an uptick. Be, be the best front seven that uh, um, you know the offensive face. Certainly that's going to be on the offensive line, but. Um, yeah, you know, I thought it was a great game on the road in a, in a pretty hostile environment, and I thought the team responded beautifully.
0: Yeah, they did, and you're, you're right. And The amazing part is, and I personally thought he got his hands underneath it, and they reviewed it and took it off the board and uh, said it hit the ground. But if the touchdown had stood to Devontae Smith, think about this, William. They would have had seven different guys score touchdowns.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh you know that's a credit to Mike Loxley and the offensive line and a Tonga Valoa. I mean, uh, he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I think his stat line's still in place where he's perfect on third down. Um, you know, he's, he's got a great group of wide receivers. I think Jerry Judy's kind of starting to emerge as the, you know, kind of the alpha dog of that group. And you know, and another guy that I thought. Started to look a little bit more comfortable, and and it had had a bigger impact in Game Three um, versus the first two games. You saw Anthony Jennings start to yes. start to look like the guy that he was in November and December of last year, trying to get hurt. And I think that's going to be a a big bonus to the defense as well.
0: And we talked about that, William, and because sometimes it takes a while to get over knee injuries and we felt like that Anthony Jennings would get more and more comfortable. It seems as though he is. And I will update that third down uh, conversions. Uh, it did come to an end as far as he's now, uh, you know, he, was, he converted the first 12. He's a still perfect 13 of 13 passing, but because of losing his footing, Damian Harris did not convert the 13th. And so that streak is over, but still remarkable. He does not have an incompletion on third down, and remarkable he's thrown six touchdowns. And the throw to Jerry Judy last night for the seventy nine yard uh, score to put them up uh, in the game uh, was was just a remarkable throw. Uh, when you think about it, it, was third and I think around twelve, uh, and he once again down the middle of the field. Just uh, as soon as he let the ball go, I started laughing. I could just see it uh, that he had hit Judy <laughs> in stride, and so. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, uh, you know, wear out uh, the Andy Griffith show uh, with the Judy, 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 because he's already got six touchdowns. That's pretty amazing start uh, for the sophomore uh, from the alma mater of one Calvin Ridley, who had his first touchdown, by the way, for the Atlanta Falcons this afternoon.
1: Well, and I'll remind you again. I think we've said this on the show before um, hell he was a. Uh, Junior in high school when this comment was made but and you got to give props to him uh, The guy that made this statement currently has the number four recruiting class and has the Oregon Ducks ranked number 20th in the country But I'll never forget when Jerry Judy was a rising junior uh, Mario Cristobal who was you know recruiting the Miami area at the time made the comment to me um, What does Amari Cooper? Calvin Ridley, and Jerry Judy all have in common. They all came from Miami, they all played for Alabama, and they're all going to be first-round draft
0: picks. (laughs) Well, he's certainly off to a great start, no doubt about that. Uh, As uh, as Irv Smith also is, he had another touchdown catch. He's become a huge red zone factor, uh, a perfect throw from Tua last night to convert yet another third down uh, as uh, he caught the touchdown pass. Uh, from to a in the corner of the end zone, Jalen Waddle uh, with a big time catch, and he nearly took a uh, punt return to the house too, William. Uh, if people continue to punt to him, it's just a matter of time. But uh, he had uh, he seems to be, uh, you know, on the cusp of making some big plays as well.
1: Oh, I think he already has, and I think he's kind of a pick your poison kind of guy. I mean, if you kick to him. Right. Um, he, he's got the ability to take it to the house every time. And if you don't, you're still probably going to get close to, uh, you know, the same positive field position if you try and avoid him. So, um, you know, th- there's just so many positive things going on with, with, you know, really I think most phases of the game. Um, I, I agree with the decision of Nick Saban, you know, to turn the, the place-kicking duties over to us. You can see the power that that young man has in his leg you know, when he kicks off and, uh, you know, he, he did, you know, one of his field goals attempts last night looked like one of my tee shots on you know, <laughs> golf. Right. Um. You know, he, he did kind of overcook it a little bit to the left, but, you know, with this team and the way the schedule plays out, I just think that, you know, that's the the, the smart decision is just to go ahead and let him take that job over, let him grow with the experience. And that's kind of where I think this this whole Alabama team is, you know, they they're very young. They've got a lot of inexperience. Um, when you look at the the offensive line, you've got a right guard and a right tackle that don't have a lot of starts under their belt, but they're getting better. You know, look look at where Alex Leatherwood is now versus Week One versus Louisville. He's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the coaching staff is getting better, and you know, um, you know the guy that kind of is the you know, the unknown man that nobody wants to talk about. I, I, you know, because we've seen, you know, the, the, the defensive backfield under Nick Saban since 2007, and whether it was, you know, Kirby Smart coaching it or supposedly coaching it or Jeremy Pruitt or whatever, uh, you got to kind of tip your hand to Carl Scott. Um, you know, I think he's done a great job with a very inexperienced and young defensive backfield back there. So, um, you know, after week three, um, you know, the injury situation has kind of leveled itself out. Um, you know, they come out of the old Miss game with nothing significant other than some cramps, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I was out on the lake all day long yesterday, and I don't fault anybody uh, for coming up with cramps. It was hotter than hell. And, uh, you know, they got a, a, you know, a big-time, uh, you know, opponent coming into Bryant-Denny Stadium this weekend in Texas A&M. I think Jimbo Fisher's kind of got a burr under his saddle and you know, trying to you know rectify his coaching career. Um, God knows he's got 75 million reasons to uh, do that. Uh, going to be a huge recruiting weekend as far as visitors and, and impact players are going to be in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad that it's the 230 game here. I've gotten a little bit long in the tooth, man. Those <laughs> 6 to 7 o'clock kickoffs at night just wear me out. Well
0: hell, I can tell you this beyond the shadow of a doubt i let my producer go to oxford mississippi uh because i uh my producer chad he's uh been with us now for uh, uh about a you know a little a couple a month maybe nearly two now and uh, I let him uh go uh take the credential because my back' been bothering me all week and uh a late start in Oxford and at least a three hour drive home and uh i just uh, he's he's in his twenties so have at it brother and I let him
1: Smart move. To, you didn't.
0: You didn't get a whiskey bottle thrown at you, so that was a smart uh, move. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Chad, I think I'm sure had a good time, and I'll find out and get a report from him tomorrow. But certainly, it was a complete performance by Alabama. Uh, and uh, to go back to that defensive backfield, certainly Savion Smith is still going to be involved. Certainly, he's going to play a lot. But did we see certain take his job for the rest of the season last night, William?
1: You know, I think until you see um, the best defensive back in college football that's a true freshman, um, you know, let, let's don't forget, Drew, um, six to eight months ago there was a lot of people that thought Tyson Campbell was better than
0: Certain, uh, Patrick right.
1: Sertain. And, you know, two, two things that, that have jumped off the page to me, number one, just from an eye test standpoint, uh, Tyson Campbell needs another year in the weight room before I think he's SEC ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's given up two touchdowns. Uh, Patrick Sertain looks like you know compares Patrick Sertain from an eye test standpoint to what a first round draft pick two years ago and Marlon Humphrey showed up on campus looking like it's night and day.
0: Oh, you're and, I agree you know, there hundred percent
1: byproduct of having a you know a father that was a three time Pro Bowl defensive back. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it, it's 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 fun to watch. I mean. Uh, You know, you you see Deontay Thompson doing what he's doing, and and then, you know, you can – at every position, that's what's so interesting about, you know, the Nick Saban program is you can always see the next guy that's going to break out. Um, I think right now it's kind of safe to say that, uh, you know, Deontay Thompson will have some interesting NFL opportunities come uh, January, but Xavier McKinney, man, I mean, he's the next guy up back there at safety.
0: He is, man. He's a, Shaheen he's a baller. Carter,
1: Shaheen Carter, although not having ideal safety size, continues to play very well. He's a high-effort guy. You know, he, he's probably, you know, the one guy, when you, when you look back there, you know, and they're in nickel, and, you know, you look over there and you see how long and how much length Diggs has, Sertain has it, Thompson and McKinney has it, you know, Carter's kind of the, the odd man out in the uh, – the measurable standpoint, but he's still very productive. Um, you know, I think uh, Miller and, and uh, uh, Jennings' performance kind of you know tweaks some things with, with the linebackers, who I think have struggled a little bit and gotten slow out of the gate. And then, of course, you've got you know oh, we've already talked about Quentin Williams and what he's done through three games. So just just a lot. Of, and don't get me wrong. Look, I realize uh, you know that's that's may not even be a bowl team. Um, that they, they mauled, you know, to quote you, Saturday night. But still, um, I think probably one of the best deep throw threat quarterbacks and group of wide receivers in the country.
0: Oh, yeah. But they're it's 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 not a
1: complete team.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Uh, they, they they Scotty Phillips had had the two good games running the ball, but until he played Alabama, and it was a different, different, completely different story. They certainly are going to have to run the ball better. Defensively, they're a train wreck. I mean, we all understand that. Uh, but – Uh, Yes, I I do think that it's been interesting to watch the growth. I do think Sertain is is coming fast. Xavier McKinney, to me, is the next superstar. Uh, As good as that team was last year, and I think Micah Fitzpatrick will go on to be a Hall of Famer in the NFL, uh, I don't know that we've seen William, and this is early, we're going to have to continue to let him hopefully stay healthy and watch them mature. But when you have a combo at safety like Xavier McKinney and Deontay Thompson, it may be the best I've seen at Alabama under Nick Saban. And I know you probably were told or saw the tweets from Shannon Sharp during the game. He basically said Deontay Thompson, from watching him on TV, was the best safety in college football that he had seen since Sean Taylor and Ed Reed.
1: You know, and of course, that was supposed to be the Achilles heel of the defense. And this is why although I enjoy keeping up with it this is why since 2008 I really don't stress out or worry about recruiting I've never seen a head coach in college football that's able to load up and and replenish a position group you know you saw him do it uh, in 17 with the offensive line group you saw him do it last year and in 17 he did it with the wide receiver group as well there was a number of positions Uh, including the quarterback position that Nick did in in, uh, the 17 class. Um, But I've never seen a head coach that can, you know, have a couple of down, low-key years at a certain position group, and bam, you know, you sign, you know, five guys. It's obvious, you know, both Sertain and Job are playing early and often. Um, And all those guys in that DB class in 17, including Jalen Armour Davis, who suffered a season-ending injury, Uh, That was unfortunate for him. Eddie Smith might Mm -hmm. be the longest of them all. Uh, But, you know, can just replenish a position group in one year and not skip a beat, it's really intriguing and interesting to me how he's able to do that.
0: And then Trevon Diggs, I thought he had the best performance of his career last night. When you factor in who, you know, they're going up against, when you have T.K. Metcalf, who made the big play to start the game, A.J. Brown, Demarcus Lodge, Braylon Sanders—I'm not even sure Sanders caught a pass. Uh, Alabama did an outstanding job of shutting down uh, the uh, the NWO, the nasty wideouts as they call themselves. Uh, for the second straight year, uh, they get pretty much shut down by Alabama. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on Diggs. He seems to be, uh, you know, maybe the most improved player on the team, and I know that was your thought. Uh, as, you know, as you were, the intel you got. Uh, coming into this season, that he had really taken that step forward. And, uh, boy, I thought that last night uh, from a standpoint of the way he played on defense was outstanding.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I still probably think um, his best true position would be safety, Drew. But, you know, he's got that length. He's kind of – in my mind, he's kind of Eddie uh, – oh, God. what was Eddie, Eddie Jackson.
0: Uh, Eddie Jackson.
1: I think he's kind of Eddie Jackson 2.0. I mean, maybe – At the next level, he has to become a safety. But because of his length and his ball skills, um, I don't see him having any problems over there at corner. And then again, you know, who do you take off the field, you know, to move him to safety? And do you have another, you know, SEC-ready corner to to make that happen? Um, You know, the, the scary thing is... You know, as good as Deontay Thompson has looked, and those are some great accolades from a Hall of Famer and Shannon Sharp about Deontay Thompson. The coaching staff is very, very high on Xavier McKinney. Yes. Um, and, and again, you know, let, let's don't you know also because of the depth and the talent in front of somebody like Deontay Thompson, you know, this this falls back into, you know, if in fact, which right now through three games, it certainly looks like it's going to play out that way, that he's going to be a you know, one good season as a starter and done like Jeremy Pruitt used to complain about when he was working at Alabama. Um but, you know, then you've got that next guy Xavier McKinney at safety. Um, you know, you're gonna have Diggs coming back, you'll have Sir Kane coming back, and then um, you know, you, you see the continued uh, you know, um effort by Tosh Lapoy to get the young guys involved. You know, I think Fidarian Mathis maybe in a a combo role of Deron Payne and, and you know, and Williams. He, he's going to be a great um, – his breakout year is probably going to be next year. Um, you know, people are concerned about, you know, why Raquan Davis has been so quiet. Well, he's getting double teamed all the time, and he was matched up with the top ten left tackle pick in a lot of cases last night and Greg Little. So, you know, there's there's really – you know, if you want to break it down and look at it, where where is the true weakness on this team outside of field goal kicking? And punter. That's, and <laughs> that's probably about it right Field now, goal yeah. kicking and punter, but, you All know, right. what, do you see anybody on the schedule that you've seen in the first three weeks outside of, you know, maybe two or three playoff teams that, that you know, this team is going to have to, you know, get down to kicking a game-winning field goal to, to survive? I, you know, or, or – um, you know, the punter, uh, you know, being a factor. Hell, I haven't seen it. And, and you know, right. for the people that are banging on the punter, um, he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities in the first three games to get better.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. And then, uh, and then uh, I, wanted, I wanted to get your thoughts, too, on the offensive line. You made reference to them. Uh, they, they took some steps last night. Uh, certainly uh, they, uh, they, I thought they did a pretty good job in pass protection uh and the running game was was stout. We 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 kind of figured they would come out and want to really improve that running game and it was multifaceted. They got a lot of guys touches. Uh but certainly we know Ole miss uh, besides Benito Jones. They they you know, they they've got a a few defensive guys that can play, but they're really kind of depleted on that side of the ball. But what did you think overall as a unit about the the uh, performance of the offensive line?
1: You know, I think when you factor in Drew, and, and you know, this sounds like uh, you know repetitive BS, but I, I think when you factor in that there's only one guy playing the same position um, that, that that he played last year, in Jonah Williams. Um, you know, you got two new starters, two very young and experienced, but you know, ultra talented guys at right guard and right tackle, and Alex Leatherwood and Jonah uh, Will. I mean, uh, 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 Wills um Jed yeah. they did a really good job Jedrick Wills I'm sorry and mm-hmm. uh you know I think Lester Cotton's a better player than he was last year um so you know they're they're coming on and coming on at the right time um you know they're, they're going to see the best you know front seven personnel you saw how they struggled last year albeit um you know there's a different defensive coordinator at Texas A&M this year than there was last year and also the the quarterback position I think is going to uh, you know, alter that game plan a little bit. You know, you're not going to have John Chavis, uh, you know, dialing up as many, you know, run stunts and, and, and run blitzes like he did last year when Jalen Hurts was the starter when they were at college station. Um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that, that dime that you saw to a drop in Jerry Judy's lap on third down, um, is what can actually happen to you. Um, if, you, if you try to sell out and stop the run and your safety gets caught up in the, in the fray and can't get over there and provide help. Um, it, it's, it's just a, you know, it's a juggernaut. Um, you know, it, it's the most prolific offense, um, you know, of the Nick Saban era. And, you know, let me, let me say this. I mean, yes, and he deserves all the accolades that he's getting. Um, you know, talking about Tua Tunga-Vailoa. But, you know, there hasn't been a wide receiver group this deep and talented. Um, I don't think there's been a offensive line unit since 2012 that's had this much talent. Um, you know, the, the running back position. Um, I think probably the top four guys could probably start anywhere in the country outside of maybe Georgia and Oklahoma. Uh, I know Auburn wish they had a couple of them. So, you know, it is what it is. And I, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the, you know, you get past this weekend and then there's kind of a little breather period, uh, you know, during the month of October, uh, you're going to try and get a little bit healthy and gear up for the LSU and the Auburn and Mississippi State game as well in November. But, um, you know, to me, this is kind of the, uh, you know, the end of the road for the month of September, so to speak, with Texas A&M coming in on Saturday.
0: Before we bring Thomas Watts into the conversation to to get his thoughts uh, on the uh, mauling of the Rebels, and then uh, who Alabama, by the way, has outscored a hundred and twenty-eight to ten the last two years, and outgained the Rebels eleven hundred and twenty-nine yards to five hundred one. So it has been a complete destruction of Ole Miss. But before we bring him in, I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, what about Texas A&M? I mean, obviously we've seen some maturation of Kellen Mond. He gave Alabama some trouble last year on the road when they rallied against the Crimson Tide to make that game tight in the fourth quarter. Certainly, uh, uh, they Mike Elko is uh, trying to you know instill more toughness on the defensive end. They have more athleticism, especially on that side of the ball than Ole Miss. Uh, what 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 do you think about that matchup with uh, A&M coming in to face Alabama?
2: We may have lost William, even though I see him on the call. Okay, we, have... we may
0: we may have lost him for a split second there, uh, but uh, you just uh, I guess we'll bring you in, Thomas. What are your thoughts on what you saw on Saturday?
2: Well, I think you know, looking at how we ha- how you know we talked about this game coming into the uh, you know oh you know, Ole Miss will score. Ole Miss is going to be able to move the ball. Blah blah blah. I know that's what I said was thoroughly, frankly, stunned that the Alabama Crimson Tide was able to do what they did against the Ole Miss Rebels. I I hate to be just, you know, hyperbolic, but Alabama came out and really did take them to pieces. That's not what I expected. I don't think that's what anybody expected, but they went and did it. And because of that, You have to feel really good about what's coming down the pipe in terms of the next few games. And it's like Nick Saban said. He said something on the order of, we got to play a lot of people, and we had a big win. It's another one of those really, really excellent games for the Alabama football team because they had a big win, a bunch of people got to play. A bunch of people got necessary repetitions because, yes, Alabama looks really good. But, you know, if only your starting 22 is better than everyone else's starting 22, there's a decent chance you're going to lose a game or two. But now, as Alabama continues along this journey towards, you know, further on into the season, maybe it's the top 40. You know the top. You know Alabama's top 44 instead of top 22. You know p- pick a number, but when you get into that, you know, oh well, Raekwon Davis is getting double teamed, or he's having a slow game, or whatever, you know, or he just gets winded because of the nature of a football game. Well, the next guy up is not going to have as big a drop off. That's how Nick Saban has won in the past. That's how Nick Saban should hopefully continue to win big. And this was just even more evidence of that trend going forward. I think it's fair to be excited. Uh, Something that you guys said that I 100% agree with. There's nobody that Alabama will see up until maybe Ohio State and maybe Oklahoma in terms of solid just overall wide receiver groups that will match up against what we saw last night. And that's a good spot to be in, Drew. So, I, I mean, I was impressed, and Alabama deserves all the credit in the world for going in and doing what they did, particularly considering that, realistically, Alabama should have given up more points, if you ask me. Like, the, I just – I expected, you know, 25-30. I expected a 60-30 to 30 game, not 62-7.
0: Right. I, mean, I was thinking they might get in the 20s. Uh, and uh, but we just I'm gonna i to get your thoughts here uh, before we then we can get William back on the phone line. Uh, what uh, what do you, do you how do you, what kind of shot do you give a And M in this game after seeing Mind uh, and what he did against Clemson and they were able to go toe to toe with the Tigers at home.
2: It has a lot to do with what we excuse me, I'm myself with how the Clemson Tigers decided to attack Texas a And M. To be very honest with you. I felt like there was some hubris in terms of, like, let's play Trevor Lawrence when the game was still out there. I don't think Alabama is going to do something like that. I think, you know, the thing you said where coaches felt they weren't going to play Jalen or Jalen was not going to see as many saps, that was also recorded by the uh, broadcast crew. Todd Blackledge mentioned that, I believe. Right. You know, that – that means that coaches are at least cognizant of it. I think Clemson blows A&M away if they, ha- if they don't destroy their own offensive rhythm. So, you know, I think it'll be a game for a little while. But I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting here chewing my fingernails off worried about it. Does it- hope that answers the question in the most obtuse way possible.
0: <laughs> well, and now I'm going to bring William back in. And, uh, William, we were that's what we were going to ask you. Uh, certainly, Mond gave Alabama some trouble last year. Uh, they they were able to come back. Alabama was up twenty four to three in that game. Then had to hold on uh, to get the job done in Aggieland They did play Clemson off their feet. Clemson is thought to be one of the top four to five teams in the country. Uh, but that was that in College Station. Now we remember two thousand and twelve, where they they A and M shocked Alabama and gave them their only loss with Johnny Manziel. Uh, what, but what chance do you give A and M after what you what we've seen out of them early against Alabama on Saturday?
1: Well, I think, Drew, the biggest indicator to me is, you know, what the line opened at today. Um, right. That should tell you what Las Vegas thinks about their chances, number one. Mm-hmm. That was um, 27 two,
0: points. Yeah, it was 27-point spread.
1: That's, that, that's right. And, you know, also, um, you know, certainly I think Jimbo Fisher's had an impact on mine. But if you go back and you watch that, that A&M-Clemson game, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a couple of things that I'll, I'll, piggy, I'll piggyback off of what Thomas said. Um, you know, I felt like for the last two years, um, despite their NFL potential and where they might go in the draft, that that Clemson defense, especially the front seven has been overrated. Um, you know, they may have four first round draft picks at their defensive line spot, but you know, the fact that they finished 20 something last year versus the run, uh, tells me different that they're not, they're not an elite unit, at least at the college level collectively. Um, They are good at rushing the passer. Now, they, they, you know, kind of got a jump start on everybody last year in the sack department where I do think they were elite, but, you know, hell, they got 11 sacks versus Auburn in the first game. Um, That that Clemson secondary, it was garbage last year, and I'm not so sure if it's not worse this year. That's why I was, um, you know, a little bit, you know, taken aback when, when, you know, Tua didn't get to play versus Clemson. And I get it. You know, I understand the the psychology that Nick Saban approaches things with. You know, once he realized that Kelly Bryant couldn't complete a forward pass and um, he was going to be able to suffocate the life out of of Clemson's offense with his defense, um, you know, I get why the decision was made. I I still wish Tua could have played some. uh, Mm -hmm. It's not made it such a, you know, a, a shocking moment for him to come off the bench at halftime versus Georgia. But you know some of those plays that a And M was able to convert versus Clemson, where you know Mon would just toss the ball up for grabs over the deep center of the field versus Texas a And M, he's not going to be able to get away with that versus Alabama. That um, they don't really have, uh, despite having a pretty good running back, um, they didn't have a lot of success last year running the ball versus Alabama. You know what 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 that game. What kept that game close last year was was, was John Chavis basically incorporating the Dave Aranda uh, defensive game plan of how to stop Jalen Hurts. That right. Was load the box, run, blitz, stunt, and, uh, you know, don't let him hurt you with his legs because he wasn't capable this time last year of hurting you with his arm. You know, all that stuff's out the window. Um, you know, I think Texas A&M probably has the potential to put up uh, more points than Old Miss did um, in certain situations. But I would not be surprised if, if Kellen Mond approaches throwing the football in the same manner versus Alabama's defense than he did Clemson's. Um, he, he's going to get, you know, two or three interceptions uh, blown back in his face and maybe a couple pick-sixes.
0: Well, yeah, man, that, I may want to be real interested to see. Let me make
2: one comment. Yeah, go ahead, Thomas.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Go um, ahead. Something that is something just to piggyback off Williams' thing. Something that Ole Miss failed to do was force Alabama to pull a safety into the box. Mm. So when that struggle happened, Alabama could keep six in the box and pull, keep two safeties, just kind of playing center field. That's why both Xavier McKinney and Deontay Thompson had interceptions. If Kellen Mond, excuse me, can't do you know if AM can't run the ball against Alabama, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to rush with four, keep six in the box, and dare Kellen Mond to throw, particularly over the middle, where those two safeties will be coming. So, you know, if you look at this game, if we're if, if you're waking up around 4 p.m., Texas A&M-Alabama is maybe midway through the second quarter. And A&M has 25, 30 rush yards, you know, some some piddling amount. Alabama's going to win going away. That was all. I just wanted to follow up on that, Drew. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they, there's no question
0: that uh, Alabama, and that's what they did yesterday, uh, and that's what they always do. They have to take away the run first, and they, they contain Scotty Phillips. Uh, he was coming in as the SEC's leading rusher, certainly uh, did, uh, did not come close. He had a couple of decent runs in the game, but was overall shut down by that Alabama front, which was significant in my opinion. Scotty Phillips, 12 rushes, 44 yards. Uh, for the uh, for uh, uh, Ole Miss against that Alabama front, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to, you know, uh, stop the run. A and M is trying to be more physical. They're going to try to run the football uh, against Alabama. Uh, I don't expect them to have a lot of success. I, I was a little surprised at the twenty seven point spread, but I do think Alabama has that potential because of Tua at quarterback. We may fi- will we finally see Tua in the second half of a game? Probably so this time. A&M certainly has some talent. Uh, I think they can. They have the ability to score. Their wide receivers will once again be a challenge for this Alabama secondary. But this Alabama secondary is gaining experience and confidence, as William has said. The safety play, when you talk about as a trio with Cheyenne Carter, uh, you know, Xavier McKinney, uh, and Deontay Thompson is, is, is as good as any in the country. Uh, I'll take that. And then watching Patrick Sertain get more and more confident, and Trevon Diggs, I mean, we, I did say, and it may be happening even sooner, that I thought by the middle of the season, this secondary would be a strength, and, and, and they have more talent than the one a year ago, just not the experience, but I think they're improving by leaps and bounds. William made a great point about Carl Scott, and uh, coming in from the University of Louisiana, and before that, Texas Tech, and uh, you know really doing a good job with this secondary so uh, I'm, I'm just uh, – I want to continue to – I just – I love watching this team play, especially offensively. And I wanted to ask William about this because he was part uh, – of course, it was the year he was red-shirting, but he was down there with when Homer Smith put together such a special offense in 1989. When you compare and contrast it, William, now that we've seen two – Come out with this group, and Alabama's leading the nation in scoring at 56 points per game. How do you what what do you how do you compare and contrast the differences between those two offenses, and and what Alabama's doing for, schematically, and then how good how would you compare one to the other?
1: I mean. <laughs> Do you really want me to compare Tua a Valo to Gary Hollingsworth? Well, I'm
0: not really there. I mean, I know there's a, a huge difference uh, because Gary, God, 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 loved him. I mean, he didn't have mobility and he didn't have a great arm. But he was very accurate. That I guess that's where it stops. He he would be accurate, not maybe not as accurate as Tua, but his accuracy was his strength. He was SEC Player of the Year that year, but just. Uh, from, but but overall, that was an offense that got a lot of people touches too. That's really one of the favorites of Alabama fans who uh, have watched the Tide for a long time. But I know just, but uh, I guess just uh, I know there's a big difference between the talent level of two and Gary. But just kind of talk about the, the two offenses that you've seen though. Both of them are really fun to watch.
1: Um, you know, it's it, it, it's just I mean, it's really not a comparison. I mean, there there weren't any five star offensive linemen on that offensive line. Right. Um you know, Gary Hollings worked at quarterback. I mean, I love the guy to death, but you know, he was limited as a quarterback as what he could do. Um, you know, you had, you know, Saran Stacy and, and Murray Hill, and that was the end of the, the conversation at running back outside of Kevin Turner,
0: mm-hmm. who really
1: if you go back and look at that season, you know, the fullback Kevin Turner and Lamont Russell were probably the, the leading receivers. I mean it was a
0: interesting yeah, you know, that's right.
1: West Coast West Coast offense, and, you know, you had an offensive coordinator that that was brilliant that was able to make, um, you know, kind of chicken salad out of chicken poop as far as the talent level is concerned. You know, you, you look at it versus what Mike Loxley has to work with right now. I mean, um, you know, you, you've you got possibly two guys uh, on the offensive line that could be in the or the, the Lombardi conversation at the end of the year. Um, you've got maybe one running back and a quarterback that could be in the Heisman conversation and, you know, five wide receivers um, that, that could start for anybody in the country. I mean, it's just a, it, it's a totally different dynamic. Um, you know, you know, Mike Loxley's got the best job in college football right now. You know, <laughs> Homer Smith had to work every mm-hmm. week diligently um, to, to get out of that team what he got. Um, especially to overcome the, uh, the deficiencies on the defensive coaching staff that was led by Don Lindsey, that was the defensive coordinator in 1989. But, um, you know, because basically every team, when I say every team, you know, the, the big three, um, LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn were all more talented uh, than, than that 1989 Alabama team was, and it's not the same case now. Um, you know, Alabama is more talented. Um, than anybody that they're going to play this year, and I'll even say that you know, to me, it's still um, Alabama's front seven on defense is more talented, much more talented uh, than Georgia's front seven. I think that's a very average group. You know, if you look at what's going on down there at Auburn, um, you know, everything that we talked about in the off season, I think, is played out in the first three games. The offensive line has taken a step backwards. They still have a very good and very talented front seven, uh, but the back end of their defense is a liability. And, you know, I think something that, you know, really played itself out last year in, in a couple of different games uh, showed up Saturday versus LSU. Uh, Jarrett Stidham does not like when people put pressure on him, mm-hmm. and he also does not like to get hit. So um, you kind of got to tip your hat to Coach O. Um, with, with what he's been able to do down there, I, I think he's – I'll always say this. I think the LSU program throughout the course of Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama has always kind of been the, the closest to uh, the Nick Saban teams, especially, um, you know, at the wide receiver position, um, the running back position. They've always had some really good players on the front seven on defense. You know, where they've been, you know, kind of hamstrung, I'm um, going all the way back to the national championship game with Jordan Jefferson is they, they had a, you know, basically a deadbeat playing quarterback for him. Um, now the Burroughs guy, he is a step above what they had in Danny Etling, mm-hmm. uh, but he's still not a game changer. Um, he, he's not a game changing quarterback. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I just see it as the rest of the season plays out. Um, you know, especially if Alabama gets past Texas A&M, which I think we all feel like they did, they will do. Um, they get a little bit of, of a breather during the month of uh, October. Um, you know, can kind of reset and reevaluate and, you know, get ready for that run that they got to face in, uh, October of LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Um, I still think there's a talent discrepancy with all three of those teams. Um, you know, there's Georgia fans out there that are licking their chops, thinking that uh, you know the outcome if they face Alabama in the SEC championship game is going to be different than what it was in the national championship game. And I'll go to my grave saying, had Nick Saban started, you know, Tua to tonga Loa versus Georgia, that would have been a 42 at best case scenario 13 game.
0: And then I, I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, how Alabama does against Texas A&M. I, I, for the first time, I guess I'm going to say that the streak will come to an end. They set a record in the SEC for hanging half a hundred on three straight opponents. I don't think that will happen to A&M. I do think it may end up being maybe like a 42-17 to 17 type game. Uh, I do think Texas A&M is talented, but I don't think they're still nearly as talented as Alabama. Uh, certainly they have weapons, uh, you know, uh, at, uh, at the running back position, uh, you know, and and they have, uh, and they have, you know, uh, some wide, some wide receivers that have made plays uh, in games against uh, uh, certainly what we saw against uh, Clemson. But I still think Alabama is much more talented, uh, you know, than A and M. And plus, Alabama will be playing at home. Uh, it'll be an outstanding atmosphere. As you said, a big recruiting weekend, no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I you know, it's going to be interesting to, take, to kind of see how, how the Tide react. I thought they were focused against Ole Miss. Uh, they certainly uh, should be focused against A&M because A&M is a is a quality opponent. And I'm sure Nick Saban is going to be harping all week about how they played against the Clemson Tigers. So that will have the players' attention, no doubt. Uh, but uh, I, I really uh, I, I do think it will be a 42-17 to 17 type game. I think them is going to control it. I, I don't think they'll quite cover the 27 points. That's a monstrous spread, uh, but William, when when uh, I know you just got through kind of breaking it down and, and talking about a And M, what kind of, how do you see ultimately the game playing out in your mind playing against Alabama at home, and 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 perhaps seeing to a into the second half.
1: Well, you know, I think the you know all the pressures on Jimbo Fisher. You know, he's
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's got a lot of pressure on him right now as a head coach. You know, he's getting blamed for. Uh, you know, the, the basic collapse of the Florida State program. And, you know, if you take away the, the Jameis Winston uh, national championship season, you know, let, let's don't forget what happened the next year with Jameis Winston. Right. Uh, Oregon just mauled them in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to kind of, I think, incorporate a, a hybrid offense. You know, he's, he's a pro-style guy. Um, You know, kind of like, you know, the same, uh, you know, go back to 2011 to 2013 with what Nick Saban was trying to do with A.J. McCarron. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's trying to, you know, morph into a hurry up, no huddle spread with Kellen Mond and and those, uh, you know, those wide receivers that they have. I think they've got a serviceable offensive line, but, you know. I'm just not worried about this game this weekend. I think Alabama's clicking on all cylinders. Um, you know, I, I think more than anything, the, the big test this weekend to me, where we're going to find out what the what the true litmus test is for this offensive line, is, you know, if, uh, you know, the, the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, and his name escapes me, I think it's is it Mike Elko,
0: yeah, Mike Elko, yeah, he came over from Notre Dame to A&M. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, I think all the pressure's on him. You know, how is he going to slow down Alabama? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't think Tosh Lapoy and Pete Golding and, and Nick Saban are going to have a real big problem you know, with what they try and do. You know, their offense is predicated like, you know, Hugh Freezes was, um, you know, in 14, 15, and 16. They do back shoulder throws. You know, mine likes to try and stretch the field down the middle. Um, I think we all know who's sitting back there waiting to you know, gobble that stuff up. Um, you, know, I, you know, if somebody stuck a gun to my head and said, you know, where would you lay the money, um, I would lay it on Alabama covering the spread, especially like you just touched on. Um, you know, let's just say the score at halftime is 28 to 10. Well, that mm-hmm. dictates that Tua Tungabailoa comes out of the locker room and plays three or four series in the second half. And, you know, based on what he's been able to do, uh, those all three could be touchdown drives. So I, 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 they, I don't fear them, especially after watching them play Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Clemson, I think Dabo Sweeney is doing a much worse job uh, than Nick Saban is managing the quarterback situation. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a good player, um, but you know, he hasn't been able to, you know, bench uh uh, Kelly Bryant just yet. He's certainly not to a tongue good in my book. Um, so I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's a good matchup. You know, maybe they could be a challenge for a half, but I can easily see a scenario where, uh, you know, Mike Loxley and that offense overwhelms, overwhelms them.
0: Well, Kellen Mind, uh, thrown for 824 yards so far this season, six touchdowns no interceptions, 62%, nearly 63% completion percentage. Travion Williams, Alabama's seen him before. He's uh, rough for uh, nearly 400 yards, averaging 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, he's the bell cow of the running game. They're going to have to contain him. Mond, of course, is a running threat at quarterback also. Uh, and then Jamon Ogben and Kendrick Rogers, uh, Buckley, even the uh, tight end Sternberger. So they do have a pretty good receiver core. I don't think it's, uh, you know, uh, the equal of uh, Ole Miss from no. a, a talent perspective. So I do think Alabama, the, the, the main thing is to take Osborn away uh, and, and, uh, and, and contain Rogers in the red zone. But I do think Alabama matches up really well with them. I still think being at home as well in the atmosphere and then, uh, and, and with Nick Saban uh, trying to keep them motivated and their attention with what they did against Clemson, it's a huge opportunity uh, for uh, Alabama on Saturday. And I'll, I'll I'm going to give uh, Thomas the floor. Uh, William thinks they got a chance to cover that 27. Thomas, what's your thoughts on this matchup? I know you've seen, you saw some of that Clemson and A&M game. Uh, and historically, Alabama's controlled this series since that 2012 loss. Uh, certainly, if they had the shootout in 2013, but since that time, Alabama, uh, there's been a few blowouts against the Aggies. It's a little bit different deal because they're trying to get more physical under Jimbo. But what are your thoughts on this matchup coming up on Saturday?
2: Well. To me it comes down to can Texas AM, who does want to be physical to it much more under Jimbo than Kevin Sumlin, can Texas AM establish the run early? If they can't, Kellen Mond's gonna collapse. I think AM's defense is decent, but We haven't seen any group, and I realize it's only through three games, and A&M is a defensive step up from the previous three games. We haven't seen anybody even slow down to a Tonga-Vailoa. You know, Mm -hmm. Alabama's not sitting here having these eight and nine and ten-play drives that eat up six minutes. They're doing it in three and four and five-play drives. Mm -hmm. Well, right point. And because of that, I don't – you know, what – the question to me is what's it going to take to stop you know, Tuatango Bailoa doing what Tuatango Bailoa does? And the short answer to that question is I don't know. And <laughs> I mean yeah. like – It's true. We know, really I, don't. I, I know I sound extremely facetious when I say something like that, but it's the God's honest truth. Like this is the, – the most remarkable thing about the entire endeavor is the fact that through three games, Tua has been functionally unstoppable. So until he's stopped by somebody, and I think LSU and Auburn and some of the people that Alabama will see later on in the year do have the talent to stop him. I have serious questions about Texas A&M. And, you know, until it's done, I'm not going to buy that. So I, I think they could cover the number, but... You know, if if we wake up and we have this show next Sunday and Alabama's won something like 42 to 10, which is right about where I'd peg the score, I won't be surprised. I'll actually be fairly happy because that means that Alabama did get a little bit of a challenge, but they responded in an appropriate manner. And that's all you can really ask for this early in the season, if you ask me.
0: Well, and then I, as we're winding down the show, I wanted to talk a little bit of recruiting. William was talking about it. it's going to be a big weekend uh, already hearing Keevon Doe from Oaks Christian in California is is slated to be in town. He's, of course, what many people believe, the number one uh, jack outside linebacker target, but there's also another one William Reed likes, Chris Bogle. We'll see uh, if uh, he will be on the list for Texas A&M, uh, but certainly Alabama recruiting both those young men. Uh, and then I think what we have, William made reference to it in the, in his last comments, but Uh, Certainly, uh, with Thibodeau, Florida State was thought to be a heavy factor, but that has quickly, William, turned into a dumpster fire in Tallahassee.
1: Yeah, and I I really think that's a a big factor in in Thibodeau's recruitment, Um, you know, for, for you know, if those were his two choices, I mean, staying at home and playing for Southern Cal, which is kind of a dumpster fire in itself, <laughs> right? Um, they, they,
0: they got about right that. going halfway
1: across the country to go to Tallahassee. You know, I, I think you have to look at, uh, you know, the same way that I'm I'm looking at the uh, which, which another guy that, that could show up. Um, it's it's not a done deal yet, but there's been some whispers that maybe the the number one safety in the country, Dax Hill,
0: mm, and coming his parents, off his Michigan you know, visit, go
1: back up Saturday. Right. Um, You know, you have to look at, you know, from a business decision standpoint of, you know, um, you know, if you're comparing, you know, Thibodeau's recruitment between FSU and Alabama, you know, there's no question about, you know, who's put the number of, of, you know, weak side defensive ends, Jack linebackers, whatever you want to call them into the NFL. That's a no brainer. Um, And I, I feel the same way about, uh, you know, you know, if Dax Hill is really serious about a football future, um, you know, I, I think Harbaugh's put two safeties in the NFL. One of them was Jabril Peppers, uh, you know, versus the track record of Nick Saban going all the way back to a walk-on named Rashad Johnson. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's produced, you know, seven or eight of them um, that have gotten drafted and quite a few in the first round. Uh, but, it, you know, but I think this is what makes – you know, the Nick Saban recruiting machine, um, you know, so electric is he gets these kids on campus for key games, especially when he's head-to-head with somebody. And, uh, you know, the, the the Florida State program is going south in a hurry. And, you know, people are trying to say that, you know, Taggart's not the guy. Um, some of them are blaming Jimbo, which I think that's where the uh, uh, the blame should be laid between Jimbo Fisher and, and – uh, uh, Rick Trickett with that god-awful offensive line recruiting, and, and let's not forget, um, you know, that's where a lot of Alabama has had success is, you know, getting a guy like Alex Leatherwood out of the state of Florida, um, you, you know, getting, you know, Jack linebackers to buy in, you know, going down to South Florida last year, uh, you know, why couldn't Florida State attract a guy like Patrick Sertain mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, right down the road for them? So. Uh, I think this game against Texas A&M is, is kind of a twofold, um, you know, big deal for Alabama. A, they need to dispatch the football team, number one, and number two, um, it, it's going to, you know, kick that recruiting momentum back up where it needs to be. Um, you, know, you know, I've seen so many comments on, uh, you know, the Texas A&M board where, you know, they think that, Oh well, we got the better end of the deal. We got Bobby Brown, and Alabama got Jalen Waddle. Uh, huh. Now nah, I can tell you right out of the gate, y'all didn't get the better end of that deal.
0: Uh, no, I, I wouldn't trade Bobby Brown for Jalen Waddle at all. A and M can go stick it where the sun don't shine, as far as I'm concerned. Alabama will. I'm, they certainly need to finish their defensive line class, but I think they will. And uh, uh, they're, and they're, 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 they're uh, you know. Uh, starting to turn up the heat on a guy like Nathan Pickering, uh, they and they still are in uh, great shape. I think, uh, of, uh, you know, I mean, certainly the LSU outcomes and, and what they're doing is going to make it harder for Ismail Sopcher. But if they wanted to, I think they could push for Ika. Uh They're going to continue to evaluate defensive linemen, and I think they're going to add a couple more. I still think Rashad Chaney will, you know, kind of disappear uh, at some point in time. But again, they. They, uh, they, you know, they, I think that, uh, that they, they feel like they're in pretty good shape. And then Jock West Soils is another guy they really like. Uh, they're going, they're going to get some, they're going to get a couple of good defensive linemen down the stretch. They may even find a Juco. Still haven't heard any names there, but uh, that's certainly something that they're going to look into. But, uh, I really, I think, uh, that, uh, that, uh, the, the recruiting, uh, you know, it, they all have said they've lost momentum, but I think this weekend is going to reduce that. Uh, they certainly are going to have you know a lot of great players coming to town and 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 William, I wanted to get your thoughts before we close it out. What a shocking! Uh, we talked to Josh Floyd on Saturday on our coaches roundtable here in Huntsville, but what a performance by Hewitt Trustville, just completely dismantling the Hoover Bucks, putting 56 points on them, the most they've ever given up, with over 600 yards of offense, uh, with Paul Tyson throwing for 256, uh, Pierce Quick in that O line running for over 300 yards. That was a pretty shocking result we saw with you at dominating at home against Hoover.
1: Yeah, I would have never predicted that at all. But, um, you know, I think that's, you know, one position group that, you know, Nick Saban is kind of sitting in the catbird seat with, but he's never been in this position with before um, in his tenure at Alabama. You know, in in in, in two recruiting classes, you know, he's got, uh, you know, Talia, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Tonga Valoa. That's you know, thrown up seventeen hundred yards, seventeen touchdowns, one interception. Um, got you know, got Paul uh, Tyson in the same recruiting class. Right. And then you know, he's got this six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound monster. Um, already committed um, from Florida and Carson Beck. Um, that you know wasn't real accurate uh, Friday night because he's got a, a growing injury still through for 300 yards, but I think he's got three quarterbacks lined up coming in, um, you know, over the next three years that, uh, and I'll still say who I think, you know, the um, uh, the guy that's going to take over is going to be the younger brother. It's going to be two in my opinion, but don't sleep on, you know, I'm not a big Paul Tyson fan. I think, you know, that, yeah, system
0: of that
1: he plays in. Right. I, I think he's more of a system guy, Drew, mm-hmm. and has a lot of, you know, especially in the state of Alabama, um, you know, with Amari Goodwin and Wurgham and, you know, the Jackson kid that's going to Auburn. He's got a ton of weapons around him. But, you know, what I've seen uh, Talia do at Thompson through three games and what this Carson Beck kid's doing uh, down in Florida, I think uh Alabama's gonna have the most talented quarterback running uh easily going forward for the next three years.
0: Uh, that's a uh big time statement there and I agree. I think Talia I saw him against Hoover. He threw for, you know, over four hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns, only that one interception, but they put so much on they didn't even really run the ball well and so, you know, I think he has uh you know, he's not two of but nobody is and I think he's close and I certainly think he's an elite level player and they got the job done against Oak Mountain, 35-21. He threw for over 440 yards Friday night. So, as you said, he continues to put up video game numbers. And I think uh, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, continuing to see his maturation. And, uh, and, uh, and and of course, Tua, we, we still have only had our appetite wedded. We haven't seen extended action from Tua. And uh, I, just the more you see, the more you want to watch him. And can't wait to see him play in this uh home effort against Texas A&M coming up uh, on uh, Saturday as Alabama is going to take the field on CBS. And don't forget, everybody, they're going to have a 1.30 uh, starting before college football today, a a special to take a look back at Alabama's uh, 2017 national championship and have comments from Nick Saban and uh, Tua Tungvaluwa, so that will be something to see. Uh, That will be a 30-minute special, and then they'll have college football today. And then the Crimson Tide will take to the gridiron against Texas A&M and we'll be with you next sunday to recap that game hopefully alabama can keep it rolling against uh, jimbo fisher and the aggies i certainly think uh... alabama has a significant advantage going into the game uh... but it's uh, it's going to be a national game and it'll be good for recruiting and we'll probably have a lot of recruiting buzz to talk about next week as well since the kids will be coming back on campus we previewed that a little bit tonight uh... but the, the list will start to come out and we'll have a really good idea going into the weekend and then have some reaction afterwards but We'll talk to you about that next week and about this game against Texas A&M. But it was great rehashing uh, the Alabama's uh, win over uh, the, uh, the the mauling of the, the 62-7 victory overall of the Ole Miss. Uh, as I've said, the uh, Rebels uh, slash uh, Black Bears slash Land Sharks, whatever they're called this year. Uh, but Alabama mauls uh, the Ole Miss Rebels. It was good to take a look back at that game. Alabama now continuing to roll 3-0 and on the season to a Tonga of Iowa over 70% completion percentage, just video game numbers so far, even in limited action, and we just are anxious to continue to see his growth and the growth of this football team. But I want to thank Thomas Watts for his thoughts. Uh, I'm Drew DeArvin for William Redfish Barger. We all believe Alabama is going to comfortably beat Texas A&M. We'll see if that comes to fruition coming up uh, on Saturday. But Alabama 27-point favorites, and we look forward to that game on CBS. But everybody, have a great rest of your night. We appreciate all the listens. We know it's continuing to grow with BAM's Radio. Everybody have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. And Roll Tide.